We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. 12 days from the Super Bowl in South Beach. We'll talk to Carrington Harrison Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City about the Chiefs' chances to slow down that Niners attack. And can you have it both ways, Joe Montana? Do you have to pick a damn side? Do you really have two teams? Home and home at radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. Zip Recruiter. Dot com slash enter. I'm Dave Briggs, home in, home in almost in Kansas City in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania, diving into the Super Bowl matchup now 12 days away. Chiefs a one and a half point favorite. Let's get into the game with Carrington Harrison, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. Great to talk to you, Carrington. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. I want to ask you first, though, about Joe Montana straddling the fence, saying he guarantees his team will win the Super Bowl next to a picture of his Chiefs and Niners jerseys. Okay, you probably like this. Would you hate it if you were a Niners fan? I understand why Joe Montana is doing this, but Joe Montana is not a Kansas City Chief. He's a San Francisco 49ers. He's as much of a Chief as Brett Favre is a member of the New York Jets or the Minnesota Vikings. All his memories are tied up into playing for San Francisco. Sure, he had a couple of memories in Kansas City that were good, but they did not go to the Super Bowl. He didn't want to ring in Kansas City. Joe Montana is probably one of the five best quarterbacks of all time as a San Francisco 49er. That's his team. All right, so here's my question, though. Do you guys claim him? Do people in Kansas City claim him? Because last year for the AFC Championship game, he was there. And it does feel like the Chiefs on some level claim him as being part theirs. I don't know if I would say claim. I would say appreciate. You have to think about it. If you had the lack of playoff success that the Chiefs did and Joe Montana was the last quarterback to win a playoff game for you before Alex Smith in 2017, you would claim Joe Montana too. So I think it was more of anything. The Chiefs didn't really have a playoff legacy for about 20 years after Joe Montana. So, Kansas City and latched on to the one win that they did have, and it came from Joe Montana. All right, fair enough. Another piece of news I want to ask you about, and shocking news to me that the AFC Championship game, the lowest rated since 2009, the numbers down considerably from last year's New England-Kansas City game. What do you make of that? This is one of those things that I think America always says how much we want new and different teams until we get new and different teams. The reason (laughs) last year's AFC Championship game was so highly rated is you had a player in Patrick Mahomes, but then he was also going up against Tom Brady and the Patriots. And the Patriots had elevated to a point where you either want to see them win and you're a fan or you absolutely hate them and you want them to lose. I was kind of having this conversation yesterday on my timeline about college basketball because everybody's like, oh, this is good. You know, we don't have Duke dominated. We don't have Kentucky dominated or North Carolina. But you're not watching Florida State play basketball either or Seton Hall play basketball. Like, we just love to say that we want new and different until it's time to actually watch new and different, and then we typically do something else. 
So let's let's dive into the game itself, Garrington, because I got a couple questions for you. First of all, I know you said against the Texans that you weren't that nervous. You still kept the faith. With the Titans this week, when it was 10-0 or 17-7, what was your level of concern? I wasn't incredibly worried because I do think we've seen these two things be the case, Patrick Mahomes, that they've scored 40 or excuse me, 31 points in every game that he's been the quarterback in in the playoffs, so they were at least going to get to 30. And we've seen now in three consecutive games they get down double digits and come back to win. Last year's AFC Championship game, the game against Houston, and then a couple days ago in the AFC Championship game against Tennessee. So I would say that we've reached the point where you at least have to check those two boxes if you're playing against the Chiefs. And as well as Tennessee was playing, I didn't think that Tannehill was going to play at that level the whole time. Now, I also say I didn't know that Derrick Henry, after it became 17-7, would, would then basically be a non-factor for the rest of the game. In the second half, Derrick Henry had three carries. That's just not a formula in which Tennessee can win. And I would say I probably reached the same point where everybody else is. Whenever Mahomes had that run for the touchdown, at that point I knew the game was over and that Kansas City was not about to lose in the second half. So I would say I was certainly more worried in the game against Houston because the deficit was bigger. But Tennessee, I thought, I thought they were going to commit and, then, and, and, and stick to the run more than what they did. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions is just what you thought of the Titans' plan, whether it was – getting away from the run on offense or defensively. How many times, Carrington, did it seem like they only rushed three and Mahomes had like 10 Mississippi before he had to throw the ball? Their game plan, I thought, in the beginning was a little, I don't know if weird is the correct term, but I think they were anticipating Kansas City putting so much resources into trying to stop Derrick Henry that they were trying to stop, uh, establish the play action. If you remember, they came out on their first drive, had that big play pass to A.J. Brown to kind of get him involved. Adam Humphreys had a couple of key third-down conversions. It seemed like they wanted to kind of establish the play action. But the biggest part of the play action is, at some point, you have to hand the ball off. And I thought that there was one stretch in the game where I thought Kansas City kind of imposed their will on Tennessee. And I wasn't sure that they could do so. Tennessee had a had a second and one. They ran the ball with Henry. Mike Pinnell, a Chiefs defensive lineman, stopped him. They then ran it again on third and one. Mike Pinnell stopped him again, and then they called a legal formation, which then made it third and 11. I thought that sequence right there kind of showed Tennessee that Kansas City wasn't going to get pushed around in this game. And, and, and it seemed like after that point, Tennessee didn't run the ball nearly as effectively or as often. Talking to Carrington Harrison, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City, always available on the radio.com app. Any moment now, Carrington. Frank Clark's going to be mouthing off about Raheem Mostert is not a very good running back. He's a system guy that we can stop him easily. Does it give you added faith in this matchup having shut down arguably the game's best back? Do you think this is the perfect matchup for Kansas City? I don't think it's the perfect matchup for anybody. I think that these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Like whenever the line was about to get established, I said it would be probably Kansas City one, Kansas City minus two, just because I thought they would get the Mahomes advantage. But I think these two teams are fairly even. If you're going to tell me you're going to give Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan two weeks to prepare for the other team, I thought the over was incredibly low in this. I thought the over should have probably been closer to 55 and a half, 56 and a half. When I saw 52-and-a-half, I was really surprised to see that. I didn't think both of these offenses are going to figure out a way to score on the other team's defense. Shutting down Derrick Henry after, a, a, after two months of 30-plus carries 
is a lot different, I think, than stopping that offensive line of San Francisco. And Shanahan's just going to have three or four plays kind of up his sleeve that I think are, are going to be big plays in this game. Um, a couple more for me, Carrington. One would be Mahomes, right? I mean, he was obviously fantastic. I can't believe he's running this much or this well with the whole knee thing. People are now calling him the best quarterback of all time, the most gifted, whatever they're saying. Is that hyperbole, or do you think in this case it's justified? I think it's a little bit hyperbole to kind of already be at that point, but I don't think it's hyperbole to look at the look at what he's accomplished and say that he is on a career trajectory that we've never seen before. He doesn't turn 25 until September. So, like, week three of the NFL season, he already has one MVP, one 5,000-yard passing season, one 50-touchdown passing season, two ASC championship games appearance. They're going to the Super Bowl, and if this team wins, he's going to win Super Bowl MVP and have a ring, and he's not even 25. So I do think he's the most accomplished 24-year-old NFL player we've maybe ever seen, and I would say find me someone in American sports who has accomplished this much pre-25. I mean, you're talking about Tiger Woods. You're talking about LeBron James. Like, there aren't many players in the history of American sports that you can say they've done X before 25, and that's greater than what Mahomes has accomplished. So I do think those things kind of put them in that conversation. And just from a physical standpoint, I don't really fault anybody if they say skill set-wise he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. Think about it. He's 24 years old, and we talk a lot about playoff experience and how you kind of got to grow into it, speaking to like someone like Lamar Jackson. Mahomes has never thrown a postseason interception. He has 11 touchdowns, zero interception, and like a 72% completion percentage. Like What he's doing in the NFL is just transcendent and something that we've never seen before. And then the last question I have, Carrington, uh, we talked with you throughout the season, ever since we've had this show, 50 years since Kansas City has made the Super Bowl. Can you try to put into words what this is like for those people right now, what Sunday was like, what the callers have been saying about this moment? I think it was probably as emotional as people thought it would be. If you put it into the context of the AFC Championship trophy is is the Lamar Hunt trophy, and that's Clark Hunt's father, so he's the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. And seeing them win that and just decades of playoff disappointment, you have to think about it like this. They had been playing football at Arrowhead Stadium since 1972. Pre-Patrick Mahomes, they'd only won two playoff games at Arrowhead. They've won three in the last two years with Mahomes. So I think a lot of it is the celebration of finally getting over the hump and finally going to the Super Bowl. I also think the next part of the celebration is we talk about franchise and elite-level quarterbacks. There's probably only three elite quarterbacks in the NFL, and there's probably only five franchise quarterbacks. The Chiefs appear to have one, and the AFC has been dominated so much by three individuals, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. Well, Brady's 43 years old, Peyton's doing nationwide commercials, and Ben Roethlisberger is coming off a serious elbow injury. There's no one really stopping the Chiefs, at least that we see right now, that can stop them from going to three of the next five or four of the next eight. Like, Mahomes just seems to have that ability. And if you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, I think people are really excited about the one. But I think there's also the excitement for the future of we might keep going to these things. 
Thanks for taking all my hope away as a Denver Broncos fan, but I do agree with all of that sentiment. I feel like we are watching the making of the greatest of all time. And now Patrick Mahomes, the leading merchandise seller in the NFL for the first time since 2016. It's not a man named Tom Brady, another sign of the changing times. Chiefs are one and a half point favorite. 53 and a half is the over under, but Carrington, we're going to have a prop bet every day on this program as we sift through Super Bowl angles. Today's prop bet is this. Super Bowl MVP, first mention after getting the award. Now, it's obvious that Patrick Mahomes is the favorite to win the MVP, Chiefs being the favorite. Jimmy Garoppolo is the second favorite. Who does Patrick Mahomes mention first after winning the MVP? Teammates? God and religion, coach and or coaches or family, what's your bet? If it's Mahomes, I don't know enough about Jimmy G and his post-game press conferences to kind of answer it, at least if the San Francisco 49ers win. If the Chiefs win it, God is the overwhelming favorite for Patrick Mahomes. The overwhelming favorite. I thought you were going to say teammates because he always comes out, even when he was asked about arguably the greatest run in postseason history by a running back or a quarterback, that 27-yard touchdown with 23 seconds left. It was straight to the teammates. He goes God always in the postgame? I think he would go God in this because it would be like a, a, a momentous accomplishment. So I think he says God first, and then I instantly think he goes teammates. Like I would probably rank it. God one, teammates slight one B. Reed will certainly get mentioned, but he's not in the top one or two to me. Yeah, yeah. based on the video and the audio I've heard, he might want to go girlfriend one. That would be my <laughs> recommendation to him. He might want to She's go not- girlfriend one. What? What's the uh, what's the conversation? Is there any in Kansas City about his girlfriend and her videos, Carrington? I'm- yeah, I mean, there's certainly conversation about her. I think it's one of those things that because she's in Kansas City, it's like way more protective over her. I don't really care one way or the other about the videos. Like, I understand if you're 22, 23 years old and your boyfriend maybe is the most popular American athlete after LeBron James. Like, I understand being really excited about it. And I understand taking the videos. So the videos are kind of funny to me. And I think that sometimes in America, we like whenever something is annoying, we just can't ignore it. And I think that's kind of what happens to her videos. Like, they're not that interesting to me, but they also aren't for me. So I don't follow her on Instagram. I don't follow her on Twitter. I only watch the videos when somebody asks me to watch. She is a fantastic follow on Instagram. Talking to Carrington Harrison, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City about the Chiefs Super Bowl against the Niners. But we started a debate last night. We didn't get, or last week, we didn't get to finish it, Carrington. You knocked down one of the greatest sports films in history, Rocky IV. Rocky over Drago in Russia. Reiterate your hatred for this movie. What's the problem with it? It's just one of the more overrated movies in American pop culture. Let's just go through the chronological order really quickly with Apollo Creed. So we don't really know anything about Apollo Creed's backstory when the movie starts. He just shows up. He's in this shirt and tie. He's kind of picking a champion. He's supposed to be Floyd Mayweather. He's undefeated. All right. They then pick Rocky. Rocky's fighting in the back halls of Philadelphia, fighting Spider Rico. Mickey won't even be his trainer. Mickey thinks he stinks. 
And then Rocky, through good American hard work, he gets up and he takes Floyd Mayweather the distance and then loses on a or, – or, uh, Apollo beats him on a split decision. Can you imagine Floyd Mayweather get taken to a split decision from some random boxer that just got picked out of the club? It's okay. Rocky two. He gets knocked out by Rocky. We then fast forward to Rocky three. Apollo Creed doesn't fight. He's retired. He's kind of helped Rocky find the eye of the tiger. Rocky four. Apollo Creed is so arrogant. He thinks that after years of retirement, he can come back and fight this Russian. He then fights the Russian. He does his best Frank Clark impersonation. Is talking to everybody. He dies in the first 10 minutes of the movie. He died in the movie. Then Rocky wants to avenge his friend. Adrian tells Rocky that he can't win. Rocky, he's down. He goes to Russia. It's cold. And then Adrian magically pops up and was like, oh, I want you to win. And then we get this training montage where Rocky's doing great American hard work, chopping logs and running through the snow, while Ivan Drago, who's 6'7", 265, like Zion Williamson, is dope and full of steroids and training with the best people that the world has to offer. And then they go to the fight, and Rocky, who is clearly – He's, he clearly has the size disadvantage. He has the weight disadvantage. He has the reach disadvantage. He should have probably died, too, in the fight. But Ivan Drago, somehow he knocks him out in the fight. I don't understand how Rocky got all this strength from. And then Rocky, who can barely speak, then gives this impassioned speech. The movie's so ridiculous. Rocky three is better than Rocky four. Rocky two is better than Rocky four. Rocky one might be the best sports movie of all time. Creed one is better than Rocky four, not Creed two, but Rocky four is by far the most overrated movie in the series. Hey, you know why he was able to beat Drago Carrington? Because he's American, because he's from America. And he's like iron. It is like I'm hitting iron. Carrington, how old are you? I am 31 years old. Yeah, exactly. A, you're a millennial, <laughs> which means you're clueless on life. And B, you're too young to remember the Cold War. You don't know what it was like. And that movie ended a war. So get out of here with this garbage. I just know that what happened is he couldn't fight the loud black fighter anymore. So they had to like, all right, who's another protagonist that we could create? Oh, I know who everybody hates. <laughs> Russia. So then we create this like stereotypical Russian for him to fight. The Russian clearly was the was the better fighter. Should have beat the hell out of Rocky. And then they go in this fight, and then just how corny and cheesy it is to get him ready to fight. It's just I can't do it. Now I'm not gonna say I absolutely hate the movie. I've seen Rocky four ten to fifteen times, but I don't have the love or appreciation for it. It, it, I wish there was a way that we could get prime Clubber Lang to fight prime Ivan Drago. Because Clubber Lang would have knocked Ivan Drago out in the fifth round. Would have absolutely destroyed Ivan Drago. Revisionist Rocky history from Carrington Harrison. And if you disagree with his takedown of one of the greatest sports films of all time, tweet him at c.harrison. At c.harrison. You need to let him know how you feel about Rocky Four. Appreciate the time, my friend. We hope to talk to you next week in Miami. I assume you are going, yes or no? I will be there Sunday morning, Great. and I just, I'm so excited today in Kansas City. It is five degrees. I looked at the weather in Miami, and it's like 81 degrees. I cannot wait to leave this place. I cannot wait to see Carrington Harrison in South Beach. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Enjoy the trip. Best of luck.
Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.